Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're alive, that you're working in our midst, in people's lives around us, in our lives, in this world around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would become very, very real to us this morning, even more than you have already this morning. Lord, that we would see you and understand you in a new way. Lord Jesus, please help us to see you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we've been doing a series about looking at Jesus for quite a long time now. And last week, because it was Easter, we looked at Jesus' resurrection. And I wanted to just follow up on last week's talk by talking a little bit more about the resurrection before we go on to other topics um, around this. But the resurrection is something quite astounding. And I made a statement last week. I can't remember it word for word, but it was something along the lines of it's as if we've been living in a hotel and we think that this is all there is. We, we're born into the hotel. We live here. We die here. And people leave the hotel. And we think that there's nothing else outside the hotel. And then Jesus, this man comes. He talks about an outside world called heaven. And then he dies. He leaves the hotel. And he comes back to life and shows us this isn't all there is. And suddenly, people's whole perspective on life is completely transformed. A bit like a, a fish in a goldfish bowl suddenly realizes this world around me is not all there is. There's a whole big world out there. It changes that fish's perspective. The point of today's sermon is that your perspective on life changes everything. It's not so much what you have, where you're born, your abilities, your circumstances. It's your perspective on life that changes everything. Two people can be in exactly the same circumstances, but one has a different perspective on those circumstances and they react and overcome the circumstances, whereas the other one doesn't. It's all about how we look, where we look from, the perspective we look at. To put this in simplistic terms, imagine you are um, living in a reasonably nice place and reasonably nice house, but you used to be incredibly poor and you know that all your brothers and sisters are poor and lots of people where you came from are poor, you would be incredibly grateful for where you are. But another person living in that same place who has never experienced poverty, they were brought up in, in a wealthy place, they feel, oh, what a horrible place to live. You're both living in the same circumstances, but one is happy, one is sad based on the perspective, where we look from, what we compare our lives to, basically the color of the glasses that we look through life at. And I want to talk about that today because Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, he says, therefore we no longer, I think the verse is up on the screen, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. And I want to look at this. Paul was saying, from now on, something's happened. We used to look at the world according to the flesh. In other words, what people looked like, their background, how nice they were, how well off they were, how they spoke to us, their education, their, their criminal record. We used to look at the world through a certain set of lenses, but now we don't any longer. Something's changed. And I want to look at what was it that changed Paul and in fact changed all of the early Christians so that they turned the whole world upside down. They became world changers because of a perspective they had 
And the reason I'm talking about this today is because I have a suspicion, I hope I'm wrong, but I have a suspicion that much of the Christian world today, we, we haven't got that perspective that Paul had. I, I got a, a sneaky feeling that we still look at the world through the eyes of the flesh. And that's why the church today is pretty ineffective, pretty irrelevant. In some parts of the world, the church is making great strides. But in much of the world, the church is just an irrelevant add-on thing that some people do on a Sunday. But it doesn't affect the world. It doesn't affect people's lives. And I think the reason is this, this whole thing that they saw something that we haven't seen. So, if you'll just stay with me for another 30 minutes or so, we're going to look at this. We're going to try and understand what did the disciples see that we haven't seen. So, we talked about the resurrection. And what I want you to understand is that when Jesus rose again, it was different to when Lazarus rose again or various other people in the Bible. There were several people who rose from the dead in the Bible, but Jesus was different. Lazarus, do you remember he was sick? Mary and Martha called to Jesus and he didn't come in time. And they said, oh Jesus, if you'd just been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus went to the tomb, he called him forth. Lazarus, come on. Lazarus comes out unwrapping the grave clothes from him. And he lives and he walks around among them. But he was still the same Lazarus that had died. It was just that he'd, he'd been healed of death, basically. But he hadn't been resurrected in the same way Jesus was. Jesus was unique, and no one since has been resurrected like Jesus. In fact, the Bible says he's the first fruits of this kind of resurrection. There was something special about Jesus' resurrection. You say, Greg, what was special? Well, let me read you a few verses. John 20, verse 19. The same day at evening, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. Something weird there. The doors are shut and he just appears. It's not the same as all the other people who were risen again. They were still normal people, flesh and blood people. Jesus was different. Another verse. Luke 24. They were terrified and frightened. Suppose they'd seen a spirit. And he said, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself... Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food? <laughs> this is amazing. You know, Jesus, just three days before, had been so brutally tortured and murdered that his whole body was broken, unrecognizable as a human. Now he appears... And all he has is a few scars in his hands and his feet and in his side. All the other scars, all the, the breaking, his, you know, the rest of his body that was broken and torn, that was all completely healed. But he just kept a few scars, the ones that he needed to prove to them who he was, basically. There was something about him. And yet he was flesh and blood. They could touch him, but he could appear and disappear whenever he wanted. He could come into locked rooms. He could disappear he, he went up to heaven and he came back down again. He said to Mary, don't touch me. I haven't been to heaven yet. There was something different about him, but he could still eat food. Amazing. There's something about this. And then the third thing that, that is striking about him is that just about in every single case, after he rose again, when people saw him, they recognized him, but didn't recognize him. 
So Mary in the garden, she thinks he's a gardener. The two men on the road to Emmaus, they're walking with him. The whole time they're walking with him, a several hour journey, they don't recognize him. Uh, when Jesus appears to the disciples on the, on the shore of the lake of Galilee, it says they thought it was Jesus, but they weren't sure. There's something weird about this. What is it? Can I just say what I believe the answer is? Is that Jesus had become a spiritual body. And the Bible says that you and I, at the end, when we're all resurrected and when we all go to heaven, we're going to have spiritual bodies. And that's a weird oxymoron, spiritual body. Those two don't seem to go together. How, how can I have a spiritual body? But Jesus showed what it was like when he rose again. It's a body that can appear and disappear, but it can also make itself um, tangible if it wants to. It doesn't have to eat food, but it can. It can be healed as much as it wants to. It doesn't decay or corrupt or, or, or get sick or hurt or die, but it can keep scars if it wants to. What this shows is that the spiritual realm, this great realm, just like a, a fishbowl, a fish in a fishbowl thinks that's its whole world, and then someone from the outside looks down and sees that's just a tiny little world. The spiritual realm is the big realm, which has always been there and always will be. And this little time and space world we live in is very temporary, the Bible says. And when that spiritual realm comes in and overwhelms and clothes the Bible talks about us being clothed with immortality. When, it, when the spiritual realm comes and imposes itself on the physical, it, it takes precedence. And it still can be physical, but the spiritual is what's in charge. That's what we're going to be like. That's what our new bodies are going to be like. Why am I saying all this? It sounds all weird and theoretical and interesting. Because this is what Paul and Peter and John and all the disciples saw... They had seen Jesus according to the flesh. They knew him as a man. And then they saw the risen Jesus and their whole paradigm, the whole way they looked at the world changed. And from then on, they were different men. They were willing to be tortured and killed for their faith. They were willing to undergo incredible sacrifices and hardships for their faith. What was it? How did this change them? And I want to just look at this today. It's... It's a big topic, and there's a lot of verses in the Bible. You'd be amazed at how much of the New Testament talks about this subject. And yet, because we read it with other preconditioned ideas in our minds, we don't get it. When we read the verse in the Bible, we don't understand that it's talking about this resurrected new body. So every time the Bible says, put off the old man and put on the new man, which it says several times, uh, you're a new creation. Old things have gone, new things have come. Uh, put off the old, put on the new. It's talking about putting off this old fleshly and putting on this new spiritual body like Jesus. The Bible says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Uh, it says, as many of, of you as were baptized into Christ have put on the new man. It says, we died with him in baptism and were raised again with him so that we may live new lives just like he lives in a new body. It's amazing how many times the New Testament talks about this. Uh, Romans, let me just read you a little passage in Romans, which is amazing. Um, Romans 8 verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the, his spirit who dwells in you. 
So he says, the spirit of Jesus that raised him from the dead is in you. And because of that, you died with him. And the only reason you're alive now is it's like you're in a resurrected body, even though you're still in a physical body. This whole idea of actually we're supposed to be living like Jesus now with this weird half spiritual, half physical body that runs through the whole of the New Testament. And yet most of us don't get that. Most of us think I'm just physical now. One day I'll die and I'll get a new body. And the two are completely separate. The New Testament says, bring that future into the present. Continually live in there. Because we're citizens of heaven, set your minds on things above. Live like you're in heaven. It continually talks about living as if we've got the spiritual body right now. And in that way, we overcome the world. Now, I can see that you're a little bit skeptical and confused. So I'm going to read you a few verses. But before I do, I want to just tell you an amazing story about a butterfly. Did you know that a butterfly, the, the Greek word for butterfly is suke, which is the word in the Bible that we translate life or soul. Did you know that? The Greek word for butterfly is the same word as soul or life. And the word metamorphosis, which is what happens when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, is the word from the Bible where it says Jesus was transfigured before their eyes. And if we gaze on his glory, we are transformed or metamorphosized into that same glory. Uh, Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. So butterflies, there seems to be something in there about a spiritual thing. And I found out that the caterpillar doesn't change into a butterfly. The caterpillar has inside it tiny little cells called imaginal cells, which become the butterfly. And everything of the caterpillar gets dissolved into soup and just gets eaten up basically by these little imaginal cells and the butterfly comes to life. So there's a caterpillar and inside it there's a, a butterfly in these tiny imaginal cells just waiting to be born and when it goes into its cocoon, its chrysalis, it, it liquefies, it, it just disintegrates and these tiny imaginal cells start to grow and grow and grow and a butterfly is born. There's a picture there of us. You have a fleshly body but inside you there's the new. <laughs> there's the imaginal. Imagine there's something in you of new life. And it's quite amazing. You know, a caterpillar can lose its legs, its eyes, its antennae, and the butterfly will still come out perfect because the butterfly cells are not the same as the caterpillar cells. They're, they're two different things. And sometimes, in some species, the caterpillar's immune system will even attack those little imaginal cells, because it sees them as something foreign. Your flesh will attack the spirit in you and fight against it, but there's something in you. And, and the amazing thing is you can lose this flesh. You know, you can sacrifice your body to the flames, but your spirit will be reborn perfectly new. Amazing. There's a, there's a picture in there for us. So what I'd like to do is just read through quite a long passage in... 1 Corinthians 15. Hopefully we can get through this today. Verse 20. Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We're all, we're all like him. We're all going to be exactly like him. Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. What's it talking about? It's talking about Adam was the one who sinned and therefore all of us died. 
It says Jesus was risen again to this new kind of life and therefore all who are in him can be, can be alive. Verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, after those who, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. So when he comes again, we're going to get the fully new bodies. But there's this in-between time where we, we're half there. Verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. So there's this in-between time where he's putting enemies under his feet. He's defeating the works of, of the enemy. And we are in the middle of this. And we choose every day which way we're going to go. Are we going to be with the, the enemies or are we going to be with him and his army ex extending his kingdom? Let me move on. Verse 35. Some will say, how are the dead raised up? With what body do they come? Now it gets interesting. He's going to describe our spiritual bodies. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. That's interesting. Unless our flesh dies, unless the caterpillar dies, the butterfly can't come alive. Very interesting. We want to live in both worlds. But he says you choose. Verse 37, and what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. So I've got to sow my flesh. The, the physical worldly things that I have, I've got to sow them. And that's a picture of giving them to the Lord, sacrificing them, planting them for his kingdom to be born and to grow. And it's not just finance, it's every part of my life. I sow my time. I sow my effort. I sow my physical body. I give myself. And as I sow it, it's like burying a seed, he says, of wheat or grain. And then, even though a seed is a little dry, brown, dirty thing, it produces a beautiful flower. He says it's the same with your spiritual body. As you sow the physical body that you have, you might think your body's beautiful. But I want to tell you, compared to the spiritual body, it's just a little seed. Then a great body grows. This is amazing stuff. Um, all flesh, verse 39, all flesh is not the same. There's one kind for men, another of animals, another fish, another birds. There are also celestial bodies, terrestrial bodies. The glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another of the moon, stars. Each differs from each other. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. That means it's decaying. It is raised in incorruption. Your new body cannot decay. It is sown in dishonor. That means there's shame from our past. It is raised in glory. There's no shame. You shine out glory. It is sown in weakness. And many of us know what it is to have weakness. Your limbs start not working so well. Your eyes don't work so well. Your body parts start not functioning anymore. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. That means what we can see with our five senses. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. That's like you and me. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. Can you see that their whole perspective on life was skewed by this? They were looking through a lens that said this physical is not all there is. Adam, 
became a, a human being, but Jesus became a life-giving spirit. And I'm supposed to be like Jesus. Suddenly, my whole perspective on life changes. I don't just think the here and now, the physical that I can touch is not all there is. It's very temporary, and I no longer make it my main priority in life. Verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Listen to verse 48. As was the man of the dust, so also are those who are made of the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. He says, you, friend, human being, you choose. Are you going to be like Adam? Or are you going to be like Jesus? There's only two choices. Everyone on planet earth is either in Adam or in Jesus. There's no in-between ground. You can't say, well, I'm in someone else. Either I'm fleshly, natural, human, earthly, corrupting and decaying, or I'm in Jesus, which is this new spiritual type of man. I'm in one or the other. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. That's an amazing verse. How many of us, how many humans around the world are trying to get to heaven using flesh and blood? My good works, how much I know in my head, my impact of my character on people. My relationships and friendships, how much good I do, how much money I give, all fleshly things. He says flesh and blood cannot inherit. It's got to be a supernatural thing from this other world. Only the spiritual can inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Gee, that's a verse that's amazing. I could preach on that for a while, but I'm not going to know. It says the strength of sin is the law. Why? Why is the strength of sin the law? I thought the law was to help me overcome sin. No, no. The law makes sin stronger in me and makes me realize that I need a savior. That's an amazing verse. Uh, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58 is the summary. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Friends, I had, I've got a lot of verses that I could read. And I, I'm probably just going to read one. I've got literally about ten because it's such a pervasive theme through the Bible. But I just want to, I want to try and bring it together and make it real for us today. Paul and the apostles, they looked at people. He says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We used to regard Jesus according to the flesh. We used to look at him just like another man. And he gave us great teachings. And he, he gave us advice. And he showed us the way to live. And he showed us how to be kind to people. And he, he was helpful, helpful. And he did all these great things. But now we see that he's so much more. He's a, he's a spiritual being. And because of that, we regard no one according to the flesh anymore. 
What does that mean? When I see somebody, I don't look at their outward appearance and, and judge them by how they look. I don't judge them by how they talk, by their education, by their social status, by anything. I don't judge people by the outward. I say, that's a spiritual person. And I'm a spiritual person. This flesh is going to pass away. I'm living in a goldfish bowl that's not forever. I've got to become like Jesus, a spiritual man living in an earthly tent. And when I do that, everything changes. So let me read this last passage from Romans chapter 8. I read it earlier. I'll just read the, the verses after it as well. It says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. In other words, we owe something. But not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Wow. He says, therefore, we are debtors. We owe something to someone. He says, do you owe something to the flesh? No. Actually, the flesh owes you something, and I'll explain that in a minute. He says, we owe something to the Spirit. Therefore, we must live by the Spirit, not according to this world and this fleshly, the, what we can see and touch. We must live according to the spiritual realm, because if we're led by the Spirit, then we are sons of God. If we live by the flesh, even if you call yourself a Christian, but I live as if just this world is all there is to it, then he says you will die. So why does he say we are debtors? The idea is this. We've been given, something from the future has been given to us as a deposit. The Spirit has been given to us. A deposit of future heaven has been put inside of you. And I'm a debtor. I owe it back to God. Because He's given me a taste. He's given me a portion of future glory of heaven He's already put in me. I'm a debtor to the Spirit because the Spirit has given me life, even though I didn't deserve it. I'm not a debtor to the flesh because actually the flesh took something from me that it didn't, that it didn't deserve. What did it take? Adam, when he sinned, took my life from me. That's the flesh. Adam, when he sinned all those years ago, he um, put all of us, the whole human race, in a position where the life that we should have had was taken from us. And so he owes us something. The flesh owes us. The flesh has stolen life from us. But the Spirit, Jesus, this, this new life, has given us a deposit of future glory and we owe it back to him. So every day I wake up and I decide, am I going to live according to this flesh? This flesh wants to overeat. It wants to be lazy. It wants to do these things and go this place and listen to gossip and, and be angry and bitter and hate and all these different things my flesh wants. Actually, why should I do that? Because the flesh has never done anything for me. The flesh is not me. The flesh is something that has stolen life from me. Ah, but the Spirit, this new Jesus, has given me life. Right, now I decide. I'm going to live according to the Spirit today. Everything I look at, I'm not going to look through the eyes of my flesh which says this is all there is. 
I'm going to look through the eyes of the Spirit that says, this is temporary and I'm living for Jesus in this world to extend his kingdom. Suddenly, I realize I'm a saint who just happens to be living in an earthly body temporarily, rather than I'm a sinner try, in a body trying to get to heaven. When I see myself as a saint, blessed by the Spirit, I owe the deposit back to God. Suddenly, I live a life of freedom. When I see myself as a, a rubbish sinner trying to get to heaven, every day I'm defeated because I'm trying to use the flesh to get better, to get better, to get better, and the flesh is weak. I'm going to summarize now, and I'd like us, please, just to, just to just remember these next few words that I'm going to say. Brother and sister, if you believe in Jesus, you are like Jesus. You are perfect. In your spirit, you are already a new man. Every day you wake up, you have the choice to think, am I going to look at myself as the old Adam, fleshly, decaying, weak, or am I going to see myself as the new Jesus who is on the way to just getting a new body? <coughs> when you change your perspective, I promise you, everything in your life changes. Instead of living life, trying to be good and always wondering, am I good enough? Suddenly you live in security and joy. I am loved. I am blessed. I am like Jesus. And when I sin, I say, sorry, but it's not who I am. It's just, it's... It's a part of this tent that I'm living in, messing up. But the real me is the real Jesus inside. When that changes, suddenly we become like those New Testament Christians. Instead of just being religious people, religion, 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 this world is all there is, suddenly we become overcomers. And the world gets changed. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in many, many people's lives. Instead of trying in my own strength, I just see, I put on glasses and I say, who am I really? Who am I really every day? Suddenly everything changes. And I look at other people differently. When people sin and mess up around me, I, I say, I forgive them because it's the flesh. We're moving in the spiritual realm now. We, one day we're all going to be spirits living in heaven. Let's live from that perspective. So I'm going to ask us if we can just do some business with God right now. If you wouldn't mind standing up, I'm going to ask the musicians to... Come and play. And I'm going to ask you to try and refocus your eyes today. Lord Jesus, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, please would you help us? Please would you help us, Lord, to look properly at the world? Lord, I pray that today you would realign our eyes, the way that we look at things, our perspective on the world, our perspective on ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would help us today. Lord, please help me. Lord God, I choose to put off the old man and put off the glasses of the old man that looked at the world through this physical realm. Lord, I, I choose now to look at the world from the perspective of heaven, that I am a forgiven saint, that I am loved, that I am blessed, that I'm not in Adam anymore, but I'm in Christ. Please help me, Lord. Please help me. Friend, I'm going to ask you today to use your deciding ability, to use your will. To say, today, Lord, I want to be in Christ and not in Adam. I receive that free gift of forgiveness. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And Lord, today I choose that I'm not going to look at myself or the world according to the flesh any longer. Make that decision today. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to help you go through the process that the disciples went through just after Jesus rose again, where they realized this whole different paradigm. Lord God, please change my, my perspective. Help me, Lord. Change my mind. Help me every day, Lord, to realign my focus, to live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Jesus, please help me. Lord, I pray for us as a body of believers that you would revolutionize and transform our thinking so that we would change the world just like those early disciples did, Lord. That we would not be an irrelevant bunch of religious people, but Lord, that we would change the world through this risen Christ. Please help me today, Lord. Please help me. And friends, the key is being filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray. You may have been filled with the Spirit before, but I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit just comes right now and fills us. Because mind knowledge is one thing, but having heaven in your heart, that's actually what really counts. So I'm going to ask you right now, focus on Jesus. And just say these words. You don't have to say them out loud, but just say them in your heart to the Lord. Just say, Dear Lord, here I am. I have been in Adam, a man of the flesh, but Lord, I understand because of Jesus, I am now in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you've put heaven in me. And I pray now, Lord, for more of your spirit, that you would fill me, Lord, with heaven. Fill me with your spirit today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as I go through this next few minutes and leave this place, Lord, that your spirit would well up in me and that I would have the power to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh from today onwards. I pray that I would have the power to see people and see myself differently. I pray, Lord, that I would have the power to overcome the temptations of the flesh. I pray, Lord, that I would not be swayed by what my eyes see around me. I pray, Lord, that your Spirit would well up within me. And make me walk around just like Jesus, a spiritual body in this world. I pray the Spirit would overcome the flesh in my life. If that's you, friend, just receive from the Lord right now. He sees your thirst. He sees your open heart. You don't have to deserve it. He will just pour His Spirit into you. Right now. Come Holy Spirit, I pray. Touch my brothers and sisters. Touch me. Touch us, I pray, Lord, with your spirit. Just breathe him in. Just breathe him in. He gives you new life. He fills you again right now. Thank you, Lord. Well up within us, Holy Spirit. Well up within us. Spring up within us. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us up again. Lord, I pray for those who've been hurt and battered by this world, by what the flesh does to us. I pray, Lord, for healing right now, Lord, that you would well up within us and heal us, heal our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Friends, the Lord responds to faith and to a decision on our part. And so I'm going to encourage you now to just say, thank you, Lord, for filling me with heaven, with your spirit. Thank you, God, for answering my prayer. 
Thank you for putting the new man within me. Thank you for giving me the power to overcome the flesh. And Lord, I choose from today to live by that power. I choose to live by the Spirit. And if and when I do stumble and fall, Lord, I'll get up again and I'll keep walking in the Spirit. I trust you, Lord, that I am a new creation. That I'm not the old me anymore. That I'm not an Adam anymore. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.